and let us pray. Open our eyes, O oh God, to see the shimmering presence of your glory among us. And grant in these moments that our hearts would beat wildly for the life that you infuse us with and for the joy that you give us in this season. And grant in these moments that we would see afresh the word that is made flesh among us through that one the Christ. Amen. In this season of Advent, it is anything at all, it is drama. Story gives way to story and adding up to illuminating not only the darkness of this time of year, but also the dark and lightness of the human spirit. The first chapters of Luke winds its way through narratives that not only tell the story of Jesus' beginnings, but also anticipate the themes that are woven through the gospel of call and response, the narrative of God's saving activity. An angel shows up and announces not one, but two pregnancies. An old priest is rendered silent, his barren wife gets pregnant way past her prime, and she is the first to experience the power of the Most High in the womb of her relative. She is named a prophet. And an engaged virgin in an out-of-the-way spot stands face to face with an angel who brings the word, the word made flesh. The child, virgin, likely 12 or 13 years of age, stands wide-eyed and declares, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. It all begins with the unseen beating of wings, and then a voice bears a promise, the insurance, the agent, and the faithfulness. And so on this fourth Sunday of Advent, when our patience is tried in the wait for something, someone, some word to break into the silence, some light to dawn in the dark sky, some hope too unbelievable to advance its remedy on all that turns sour and cynical in these furious times, we listen this morning to the voices of three in this drama. And perhaps in listening to them, we find ourselves strangely awake, ready to receive, holding out our hands for the promise that they receive then, and so many throughout the generations have received since. Maybe the stories in their simplicity carry us to a crossroads, to the crux of what it means to make meaning in our lives. And perhaps the voices of three, the angel, the virgin, and the barren one, will lead us to a place we've waited for for oh so long. And maybe we will arrive again at that place for the very first time. First, we hear the angel Gabriel. It was a large task the Holy of Holies gave to me that year. There was an old priest and his barren wife. 
and a young girl who was engaged to a man who was of the house and line of David. It is a rugged task to slip unnoticed, to break into the realm of the daily, the realm of smoldering fires with evening meals being prepared, the realm of babies coming awake, and the ancient ones ready to take their last breath, the realm of worry and upset, but that is where the holy sends me, right into the realm of your commerce. And it is there that I bring the word. Indeed, the prophet of old Isaiah could see the glory of my task as a messenger when he sang out with shimmering elegance the words, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, who announces salvation. It was the old man, Zechariah, who was my first call. And I thought this one would be easy, him being a priest and all. He was, after all, of the lineage of Aaron, the ancient order of priests. The Holy One always has lovely timing, and my visit to him was no exception. The Holy One always takes me to places of both unexpected and expected destiny. This one was an, one among a number of priests, but that day I was to bring him the unexpected news. He and his section were on duty at the temple. It was a fortuitous day. He was chosen by lot to enter the Holy of Holies, the sanctuary of the Lord, and offer incense. Of course, anyone worth their salt knows that entering the inner sanctum would make even the most pious of us edgy. And it was the place of all places where if you held your breath, you might hear the very heartbeat of the universe. But even so, I also thought our brother Zechariah would be ready for most anything. When I entered the Holy of Holies, I thought it wise to stand over to the side a little, so I went over by the burning incense, maybe to blend a little into the whole atmosphere. I tried my best to be a non-anxious presence for the old man, seeing as how he was just that, old. But all my best efforts came to naught. He saw me and was absolutely terrified. He turned pasty white. I feared he might expire right then and there. Fear held him in a way I had not seen before. I admit I was surprised by his response, but without a thought, the words left my lips. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard. He and his wife, Elizabeth, were among the righteous ones. They, like their spiritual kin before, Abraham and Sarah and Hannah and others, knew barrenness, knew the envy of those who had fruitful wombs, and likely had given up hope for a child. I told him the news. Your wife will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will be so happy, so very happy at this child's birth, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, announcing the realm of God is coming near and to prepare the people of Israel for the one who is coming. I thought he would be leaping out of that sanctum. He knew the tradition of his people, Israel. I thought his heart would burst out of his frame with gratitude and joy. So I was stunned when he questioned me. 
when it was clear he didn't believe me. His words were simple. How will I know this is so? For I am an old man, and my wife is getting on in years. The priest's heart seemed hard. Maybe it was too many bloody months, too many sad days, this getting old or just having made his peace with life without an heir. But I found myself getting upset. I had come on beautiful feet as the messenger of God to bring tidings of great joy. And like Abraham, when a similar announcement came and he questioned, we simply had to silence him. I told him because he didn't believe my words, he would be mute until this all came to pass. I then left and he went out. I can only imagine the response for all who were waiting outside that temple that day. They likely knew something had occurred in that holy place, but it could not be disclosed. He was silent. But though he could not speak, he and his wife were able to conceive the promised child, and she sang out with great joy for the fulfilled promise. So that was the first one. The second was, quite to my shock, very, very different. As a matter of fact, I was pretty uneasy with the second assignment. She was very young. She was engaged to a righteous man whose line could be traced back to King David. It was that year of waiting when the girl Mary was preparing for marriage. She was living with her birth family and, as was the custom, readying herself to be transferred to his home after the nuptials were over. To enter the young virgin's world with such a request, well, I figured she'd just hightail it away from me the moment she saw me. Was I in for a surprise? We now hear from Mary. I don't remember what time of day it was. I don't even remember exactly where I was. But his words shocked me to the core. Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Me, favored one, the Lord, the holy of holies, the one who flung the stars of the universe, who was there at the foundation of the world, favored me? I was young. I was barely a woman. I had no favor except that I would be the wife of Joseph in a short time. He was a lovely man from an acceptable family, and I was in pause mode right before our wedding. But the words of the angel troubled me greatly. It wasn't the fact that a messenger, an angel, stood before me that troubled me, but it was the greeting, Hail, O favored one. I waited, and after a moment, a moment that the universe flung by the agent seemed to hold its breath, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that something was coming that was unspeakable, that was unspeakably important. I held my own breath, my own tongue, because I somehow knew that when the astonishing arrival of an angel, a holy messenger comes, everything up to that in my very short life would be different. I sensed that something was coming, and that's why I was so troubled because with the arrival there would be a departure of all I'd known up to that day. I don't know why, but I was. 
The angel then spoke with such comfort that I found myself moved beyond anything I'd ever felt before. His kind words, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, seeped through the fear, and I was able to hear the rest. And the rest was beyond my wildest imaginings and also, well, life-giving in some odd and inscrutable way. The only name I could give it was love. It was love that was arriving. Then came the big news. I would conceive and bear a son. I would name him, well, I knew what I would name him, Jesus. Jesus, because like all of us in this land, in this nation, in the watching, wondering world, we are all waiting for this one whose name is Jesus. The angel said he would be great. He would be called the son of the Most High. He would reign over the house of Jacob and of his kingdom, there would be no end. Well, that is all well and good. Yes, the most remarkable news in the history of the planet, in the history of my watching and wondering and waiting people. But how could this happen, I thought. I said, I am a virgin. And then there was the sex education lesson, God style. <laughs> there will be the Holy Spirit. There will be the power of God and the overshadowing of the holy. And the child who comes, who has been promised from times of old, will be called God's son. Yes, there are times when you simply have to trust, because the news is so good, so holy, so pure, that to say more would undo it. So I allowed the angel to have the word with me, and I would stand in the impossible possibility that this would come to be. Let it be to me according to your word. And those words echoed in that room and for months to come. But it was on a visit to my relative Elizabeth that I came to the fullness of time and engagement with this news. Here, Elizabeth. I thought I would never be pregnant. So when my husband came home from the temple doing his annual stint there as one of the priests of Yahweh, when he arrived without so much as a whisper coming from his ancient lips, I realized something of cosmic proportions had occurred. Yes, I had lived and breathed and awakened and slept on the story of our forebears, Abraham and Sarah, who knew the same fate we had the curse of barrenness. I admit that there had been moments that I wanted to accompany my dear husband to the temple, as my sister Hannah of ancient times had done. I wanted to pray to the God of Abraham and his late-life child Isaac that I would be allowed to conceive and have a child, but I did not. Zechariah came home, and though nigh a word was spoken, the gaze I had not seen in years came over his face. Soon I was pregnant. And as was the way with those of us with child, I went into seclusion. Just as certainly as I never planned to be pregnant, I most certainly never anticipated being a prophet. 
I admit that, though I felt the Holy's presence in those moments of seclusion, I never imagined that I would be the first one to witness the good news the angel brought to my kin, Mary. Mary came to, for a visit to our home in a remote hill country in Judea. She was a child on a mission with urgency in her step. She came into Zechariah and my home, and when she saw my swollen belly with the child that had been conceived in the silence as my husband was without word, when Mary spoke a simple greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. It was as if the little one within me could not contain the joy that began with this young woman's arrival. And I looked into Mary's eyes that were filling with tears, and the words spilled out of my mouth, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. I am not sure where the rest of the words came from that day, but looking back, I know it was the Holy One who brought Mary to me. And I knew beyond a whisper of doubt that she was carrying the child that our son John would be worthy, unworthy to untie his sandals. But I also saw the look of someone who had stood in the presence of the holy, that she had held a radiance obedience as a small child holds a flickering candle, precious, illuminating, light to every step that she would take from that moment onward. It did not surprise me that she burst into poetry at that moment. She sang out with a clear, colossal voice about what Yahweh had done for her and what Yahweh had done for us. It had to do with God's flipping things on their head. There was some shimmering from it, a face shining through the words, a face that would save the day, I swear it. I felt the mercy of God in that peasant child, Mary. And her words caused the child in my womb to do somersaults as she spoke of putting down the mighty and exalting the lowly, of filling the hungry with the grand feast and sending the rich empty away of all that consumed them. Something new and shimmering broke into the room that day. Something labored to come to birth and I knew the power of life, the joy of new life in a way that words cannot contain or express. Mary stayed with me for the last three months of my pregnancy, and then she returned home. Three stories, three witnesses of grace, haunting, joyous, silent, shimmering light, and we wait today for the coming into the fullness of time, the coming of the child, the resurrected one for you and for me and for this entire blessed world. Thanks be to God. Amen.